You know what this movie did sell really well other than movie tickets? The idea that Michael Jordan it was a nice guy? It did. Hey, we watched Space Jam tonight, guys. It's the 20th episode of Out of Sync Podcast. Buckle up and get ready for the Space Jam. Here's a chance to get down. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. This is Mario. And he's talked about how he was drinking a lot during that time, and he doesn't really remember it. <laughs> that explains a little bit. Jingle, jingle. What's jingle, jingle, jingle? Are you pretending you're never coming out of the jingle? Or just I'm just jingling my ice in my glass. Alright. Because we're rolling. Oh, we are rolling. Yeah. Phenomenal. Nope. Looking stuff up on. I mean, I have to look stuff up all the time. You are of like that weird computer brain of yours when it comes to movie facts, and it's out of control. Yeah, I was listening to the uh, Speed Two, and I remember that I just was spouting off things that I no one should remember. No one should remember any of those facts. Especially about that particular movie. Yeah, and I started looking it up just to make sure that I wasn't wrong. And unfortunately, I was right about everything that I said. All right. I remembered a lot about tonight's movie. I watched this movie quite a few times growing up as a kid. And uh, yeah, it holds up. It holds up well. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite documentary. Favorite documentary about your, you know, everyone's favorite sports star slash uh, commercial TV star. Commercial TV commercial star. TV commercial? Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, commercial actor. Commercial act. Yeah, there you go. And uh, it a lot of his acting choices make sense when you realize that that's really where he got a lot of his experience in front of the camera. Anyway, hi everyone. I'm Steve Shannon. I'm John LeDuc. And tonight we watch Space Jam. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Space, Space Jam. Jam. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. I was just waiting for it. Uh, yeah, today we watched uh, 1996's Space Jam, starring Bugs Bunny. Starring Bugs Bunny and Wayne Knight. <laughs> Who are the second build, or the second and third build. Second and third build. Uh, actors a, a, in this call, film. Uh, actors? I, yeah. No, Wayne Knight is really just, he's a star. He really is. I, and Bugs Bunny is, you know, is is a Looney Tune. And I, I get the kind of the novelty of having one of the Looney Tunes be credited as themselves in all of the promotional material. That was funny. Uh, when you get into the actual opening credits of the movie... And uh, Bugs Bunny is is in the bill. His second build, right after uh, Mr. Michael Jordan. And uh, before Wayne Knight, who is third build in this. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that you realize then that this this is it is like a ninety minute Looney Tunes cartoon with some live action sequences, not the yeah, other way around. It, you have to really kind of when you're watching this movie, you have to remember it's a Looney Tunes movie first. Then someone decided to put Michael Jordan in it. No, no, no. Actually, I know that's not how it came about. I think, before we get into the synopsis, we have to get into how this movie came to be. And uh, you know how I found it's a out? commercial. 
Uh, it was not only it was a commercial, a Nike commercial for Air Jordans, where Michael Jordan was playing uh, basketball against a bunch of Marvin the Martian's henchmen. Yeah, I remember Marvin the Martian is in it. Uh, and there's like two versions of it. There's the TV version, then there's like a like a ninety second version that you can find on the internet. But in ninety six, could you find it on the internet, or is that like now you can find it on the internet? Not, I mean, now you can find it on the internet. Uh, as far as going to find stuff on the internet. Uh, Space Jam was actually one of the first movies, not the first, but in the, in the first kind of generation of movies that put a URL on their movie poster saying, hey, come check us out. And it's actually that website. Oh, it's, it's something we're going to talk a lot about oh, tonight. Oh, that website. We'll get to that website. Uh, it's also where I found a lot of uh, production notes. Oh, really? Including uh, a tidbit that said it was kind of Michael Jordan and his team that came up with pitching this to Warner Brothers. They really? did not come after him. That's interesting. Uh, I guess they did this Nike commercial, and uh, MJ was like, "You know, this would you know be fun. They would do this as a movie." And his team pitched it to Warner Brothers as, "Hey, let let's try and make this happen." And they were all for it. Like, "Fuck yeah!" Are you kidding me? Wow, Michael Jordan was an enormous star in the mid '90s. Just so huge we got a lot to talk about tonight because uh, we've both seen this movie way too many times and uh there's just kind of cool production stuff and uh behind the scenes stuff that we can get into but first as always and traditionally what are you drinking tonight well tonight i made myself a cocktail called a slam dunk and it was bright pink it was southern comfort orange juice and cranberry juice oh okay that's uh not as bad That's, as I thought it would be. Okay. I uh, actually... Like, did, did, could you taste the Soko through the orange juice? No. Oh. Pretty much it just tasted like orange juice. I didn't even really taste the cranberry. Yeah, and then orange it, juice is a powerful flavor, folks, if you're mixing it with stuff. Oh, yeah. It's it's your go-to juice for mixing with anything and losing the alcohol flavor. Uh, and in addition to that, I also had a Trillium launch. My thinking was that you would launch into a slam dunk. And then end up with a victory, which was the other beer that I brought to the table tonight. And it was Victory's Quad Beer, which is 12%. So mostly I stuck to my Slam Dunks and my Launch Beer, which is a Pale Ale. And it's 5.7%. And I'm pretty sure you can only get it by going to Trillium's second location, which I'm forgetting where that is. But it's in Massachusetts. I'm sorry. I'm kind of. I'm. I just started digging into this. Uh, this Bissell that you gave me. Uh, it has nothing to. It do... has nothing to do with this. But I think we need to talk about it. Uh, sure. If you, if you could explain it after I after I tell well, people. Well, here's here's why I'll say why you have a Bissell Brothers. Okay, go for it. So, I had a beer in mind. I discovered that the brewery Bissell Brothers makes a beer called Swish, and damned if that wasn't going to be the perfect beer for a basketball themed movie. So the I've, highest grossing basketball movie ever, FYI. That's impressive. So I find myself in Portland, Maine uh, last week, and I find myself at Bissell Brothers. And they have Swish on tap and Bucalia and all of their other beers, but the only one that they're canning that day is Substance. So I buy myself a four-pack, and I bring it home. And unfortunately, they were not doing Swish that day. They were doing Swish today that we are recording. And I tried to convince the silent partner to drive up to Maine with me for 
It'll probably be about a total of about five hours in the car yeah. round trip. Oh, jeez. So I could buy one beer for this podcast. She vetoed that idea. Oh, so, I wonder why. Jeez. So instead of having the swish, I went with the slam dunk, and now Steve is enjoying Abyssal Brothers substance. It's you said it's it's um it's on par with Hetty Topper. It's um, close. I'm not going to say it's on the same level. And listen, if you are um, someone listening to this uh, podcast who does not live in the n- Northeast and you've not heard of Hetty Topper, Hetty Topper is held like on up on a pedestal in the Northeast. It is. It people. It was for a while. Will the drive for highest hours. Highest rated beer on Beer Advocate. People will drive for hours to find a corner store that uh, Alchemist Brewery sells Hetty Topper to. And for you then to come and say, oh, you should try this. It's called Substance. It's it's I kind of you know hold it in the same uh, category as Hetty Topper. I was like, are you insane? That is that's that's fighting words for a lot of people. This is a very good beer. I th- they uh, they call it uh, ale. Uh, it's very hoppy. I would call it an IPA, but they just label it as an ale. It's it's very hoppy, not uh, as hoppy as uh, the Alchemist beer, the Heady Topper, uh, but it has uh, kind of that same... Uh, the same mouthfeel, the same earthiness, and I would say what it does share with the Heady Topper is that it doesn't build up on you, right. which is probably the, the best aspect of a Heady Topper, is it's super hoppy, and then it kind of... Because it's mostly aroma, so it kind of fades away and you're ready for the next sip. Uh, I the the, the uh, substance ale the uh, the Bissell is uh, not what I was drinking all night tonight. I was drinking a cocktail called Marvin the Martian. I'm sorry. Ma- yeah, Marvin the Martian. Uh, so in, in uh, Space Jam, the Looney Tune Marvin the Martian uh, is the referee in the the big basketball uh, finale. Very appropriate because our uh, antagonists are space aliens and our protagonists are the Looney Tunes plus Michael Jordan. So Marvin the Martian is kind of that good in between that you know you could. He's see. an impartial judge because he's sort of a Looney Tune, but he's not an Earthling, so he doesn't really have to pick a side. Also, he's a bad guy as far as the Looney Tunes are concerned, which works fine. Uh, the drink uh, that was created in uh, his namesake, it's basically for loco. <laughs> If you were, if you remember Four Loco, I know it wasn't that long ago, but they that was killed as you know as fast as it came about because of just the terrible, terrible things it did to people. It's back, but not the same recipe. Right. You can still buy it, especially at kind of your more questionable convenience stores, but it's not the same thing that when it first came out that sent people to the hospital. Right. Uh, but Marvin the Martian, uh, the cocktail, is uh, Mountain Dew. And it's supposed to be cherry flavored brandy, but you used Kirsch, yeah, which I is what I use for cooking, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's still it's still pretty alcoholic. Uh, it, it's a liqueur. Uh, I you know what happened? What? Uh, the store didn't have cherry flavored brandy. Really? And this was a huge shock to me. Listen, folks, we're from New Hampshire. Our liquor stores are gigantic. They are. And they're state-run. And they are stocked. I mean, there is Everything. very few things you will not be able to find. Oh, that's I take that back. There's a couple things on the ban list. But for the most part, if you're looking for something, you can find it in one of the uh, New Hampshire State uh, liquor and wine outlets. Not counting beers and wines. Though they do carry wine. They do carry wine, and it's a good selection. Uh, but if, if you're looking for your hard alcohol, you're going to find it there. It's uh, it's impressive, which is why I was surprised they didn't have it there. So 
I was wondering should I should I find another uh, uh another, should I find should I find another brandy or should I find something else cherry flavored what should I do and I kind of went with the cherry flavored idea <laughs> uh, and and my uh final concoction was uh again it's Fort loco pretty much it's it's the the booze and the uh the caffeine content that uh, sends people to the hospital bright green it was bright green but to go know, with my bright pink very appropriate for the kind of the, the colorfulness yeah. of this movie. Space Jam. All right. 1996 Space Jam. This is, I believe, the first animated movie that we've had on the podcast. Yes. Though it's only about half animated. You could argue it's also our first big green screen movie. I don't think we've done anything else that 90% of the action is Not ones that, yeah, that were like, you know, shot in front of a green screen, put together with a computer later on. This was the mix of live action and uh, animation that um, was pioneered by Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This kind of uh, way that they used a computer then to stitch everything together instead of having to rotoscope uh, everything uh, the same way they did with, you know, stuff like Mary Poppins and Song of the South, the other kind of like Disney uh, animated slash live action uh, hybrids that they had. Those old Disney movies actually had really interesting techniques for keying out their actors. They would use vapor lamps and really specific backgrounds, usually, I think, yellow off the top of my head. And they're really interesting. You can you can look it up online. Okay. They, they pulled really fascinating, especially Mary Poppins. Right. There's a lot of really interesting technical info. On but uh, they, they were old school rotoscoped. Am I correct in saying that? They did pull keys. So They it's, did? Okay, yes, that's but, different. Never mind. But it doesn't it's not quite a chroma key it's not the same way that we would have done it today it involved exposing film and then basically you have black shapes so it, it looked like a key but it's slightly different and it's a lot more complicated and there is a certain amount of rotoscoping involved but it, it there's at least half a step closer to keying. uh so rotoscoping is the process where you uh are looking at uh a, almost a, a print of the film frame by frame and drawing on top of it as you go along, not on the print itself, but on a uh, a pane that you're looking at uh, through a forced perspective, uh, to draw in all the animated bits and making sure that each frame gets lined up with the each piece of film. Now it's done by computer, and it's, and it's so much still, easier. But it's, it's still rotoscoping, but now some of the computer. But rotoscoping was used for everything. Uh, the lightsaber blades are rotoscoped in the original Star Wars trilogy. But it can be as extreme as if you've ever seen a scanner darkly where they actually shot an entire film on DV video and then animated a film over that video footage. That's all rotoscoping. That's just a bunch of artists drawing over the actual film. To great effect in that movie. I want to go back and watch that one. That was a lot of fun. You should put it on the list. It's it's an interesting film to say the least. Speaking of which, before we get into uh, the synopsis of Space Jam... Ladies and gentlemen, we made it to episode 20. Woo, party. We knew kind of a while back uh, that we wanted to do Space Jam as episode 20. Kind of like, hey, what are we going to do for the cool even number episode? Just like we decided episode 10 was going to be point break. Right. So I'm going to tell you now, we have plans for 25 and for 50. Uh, possibly 100? Possibly. We're, 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 I don't know. Uh, if we, it's up in the air. but We're not assuming we're ever going to make it to that point. If we do... There have been some titles tossed around for 100. That could be a lot of fun. So uh, we hope we get some listeners. We hope we get some support that will help carry us through that. Because uh, 100 would be really cool, guys. And don't forget, if you ever want to see us do a movie, you can always shoot us an email at outofsyncpodcast at gmail.com. And you could always talk to us on Twitter. 
No guarantees we will ever check our Twitter feed. But we're on there, sort of. Yep. Out of sync. Uh, no, that's at Shellback Media. Yes. And, of course, you can always stop by our website and find more contact information for us. All right. Space Jam. Space Jam actually has, like, one of the best prologues in a movie ever. It is so just kind of, like, clean. Right down the middle, it gives you all the information you need to know. If you knew nothing about Michael Jordan, you're going to know it in the first two minutes of this movie. You're going to know everything you need to know. Yeah, they lay it right out for you. Young Michael Jordan is out behind his house in North Carolina, and he's playing basketball by himself. It's 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 dark. The lights are off in the house, and suddenly they flick on, and uh, his, his dad walks out. Michael? What are you doing out here, son? It's after midnight. Couldn't sleep, Pops. Well, neither can we with all that noise you're making. Come on, let's go inside. Just one more shot? All right. Just one. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Shoot it again. Getting pretty good, son. Go ahead. Shoot till you miss. You think if I get good enough, I can go to college? Hey. You get good enough, you can do anything you want to, Michael. I'm going to... I'm going to play basketball, and then I'm going to play for North Carolina. I'm going to play on a championship team, and then I'm going to play in the NBA. And then I'm going to play baseball, just like you, Dad. Yay. Which is actually kind of closely mirrors, I guess, Michael's part of Michael's motivation for (laughs) those two years that he did spend as a minor league baseball player, which we're going to talk a lot about tonight. Yeah, we're going to talk about actually pretty soon, because right after this, it cuts into a three-minute montage of just Michael Jordan dunking on fools. Set to uh, uh, DJ Quad City, uh, cut of Space Jam. Space Jam. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. Oh, Welcome to the Space Jam. All the words. I remembered all the words to that stupid thing. Hoop, there it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and then it, it cuts from this montage of him dunking to a staged reenactment of his retirement uh, press conference. Let's talk about Michael Jordan's retirement for a second. His first one. His first retirement. Uh, 93? No, 93, 94, somewhere around there. He had already won three championships. He was on the dream team. He was on the dream team. The Olympic gold gold medal winning basketball team. Now, the movie kind of glosses over this fact and, and just kind of implies that his father had died where he says... I, it didn't. It never implied that his father died in real life. No, because he said, "My father got to see me play my oh, last true. basketball game," and that's as much as it goes. In real life, his father was murdered. Yeah, and he decided to retire from basketball because he kind of lost the joy of it and go and play baseball because that's what his dad was. And are we going to talk about the conspiracy theory? Yeah, let's talk about the conspiracy theory. There's a conspiracy theory that Michael Jordan didn't retire from basketball at all. And that, in fact, he was suspended for gambling by David Stern, the commissioner of basketball. This is a pretty crazy conspiracy theory, but it's it's a fun one. Honestly, just as believable as um, he uh, retired because of his, his father and then found his joy again thanks to the Looney Tunes. Which is what actually happened. Exactly. <laughs> Supposedly, he's suspended, and that's why he came back a year or two years later. He retires, and he decides to go play baseball. 
And the owner of the Chicago White Sox, I believe, is the same owner as the Chicago Bulls at the time. So he just transfers his contract from the Bulls to the White Sox. And he ends up in the minor league system for the White Sox. Uh, in real life, I guess he moved up to the minor league system pretty quickly. Not pretty quickly, not quickly, but he moved up the minor league system. He was making his for, way up there. For a guy who is not a professional baseball player, the narrative has always been, oh, he went and played base, minor league baseball and he was awful. He wasn't bad. We are just, A, it was kind of in the steroid era, so our numbers are you know, inflated of what a baseball player was supposed to be able to hit at the time. But he was in the 200s, which for your first year in the minor league system would be considered a huge success. And he wasn't bad at baseball. I'm not saying he was good and he was ever going to be a star in the major leagues. He probably could have been a ba- bench player, though. Uh, again, I mean, it wasn't his, his you know, sport that he's known for, which is basketball. But the man's a friggin' athlete. Holy crap. Man's an insane athlete. Now, in our in the movie Space Jam, though, the joke is he sucks at this. He is He's friggin' terrible, awful. But that everyone likes him so much, they just want to come out and see him anyway. And they just cheer for him all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, you did a good job, Michael. It's like a participation trophy. The opposing catcher is telling him which pitches are coming and whether or not he should swing at them. Because everyone just loves him so much. Fastball, outside corner. Swing. Don't worry, I'll get you another one. We get some cool scenes with uh, his uh, fake family and his uh, his dog, uh, but the plot is really developing uh, up on Moron Mountain, which is a planet far away uh, in the cartoon universe. There's some weird kind of uh, lines that are drawn between uh, the cartoon universe and uh, the 3D universe. Yeah, I'm not entirely clear. Like the 2D universe totally still exists, just underground on planet it Earth, seems but also fairly up in space. easy to get there. Yeah, two characters who were not forced there find their way there. Oh, and also here's a fun one: in order to get from the 2D universe Moron Mountain to the 2D universe uh, Looney Tunes ta- uh, land, Looney they Tunes, they take a spaceship from space to Earth through 3D land. Yeah, live and then go land. underground. Where there's also a sky. Listen, I'm not nitpicking. It's not actually a bad thing. It's just kind of like interesting choices. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't make fun of it though. It was fun. That's that's gonna oh, be the theme with this movie. Of is you know like it was still fun. All the crap you could say about it, it was still fun. But uh, the uh, the big boss man up on the 2D theme park, Moron Mountain, played by Danny DeVito, who I'm not even sure was credited in the opening credits. He wasn't. But then again, neither was Billy West, the uh, voice of Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny. But the average person is more likely to know who Danny DeVito is than Billy West. True. I know who Billy West is, and I'm sure most of the people I associate with know who Billy West is. But that's because we're all huge geeks. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely certain that the average person does know who Billy West is. Uh, Billy West... uh... Right now, he's best known for the uh, most of the voices on Futurama. Yeah, he's Fry, he's Zoidberg, he's the professor. You would also re- know him really well from Ren and Stimpy. Where he was originally Stimpy, and then he became Ren, and no one noticed that they changed voice actors, because he's that good. And he was also the voice of Doug on Nickelodeon. I always forget that. Yeah. It's kind of funny, some of the interviews, where uh, people ask him to... 
uh, have conversations between like uh, the different characters. And when he throws Doug in there, people lose their friggin' minds because everyone has forgotten that he was Doug. And in this movie alone, he is Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. And I think one or two other minor characters, but primarily Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Like characters that weren't even credited in the yeah. final credits where they finally got his recognition. Danny DeVito, uh, who's playing the big boss man whose name escapes me. because Swackhammer? I don't think they ever said it. They say it once or twice. The the little the little alien dudes the, say it. Uh, the nerdlings? Is, yeah. Uh, I They never say nerdling ever or any of the names of the little aliens. Swackhammer. Swackhammer. Yeah. Swackhammer. Uh, he's upset because... They're uh, nerd lux. Nerd lux. His, his, his uh, clientele up at Mara Mountain... Slughammer? Slug hips? Swack. Swackhammer. Uh, his clientele is... Uh, I'm not surprised you can't remember that. Oh, jeez. They're kind of like, oh, this place is kind of getting a little lame. They're getting bored with all of the clearly very dangerous uh, rides. Mm. But they're all tunes, so... Again, cartoon they physics. Are, they are tunes? Yeah, they're, car- yeah, they're tunes. So car- it works out. They're not Looney tunes, though. They're not. They're just uh, just cartoons. Uh, but they come up with a plan. Like, we, we need to, like, bring some of, like, the Looney... To our tunage. We need a bigger draw to Moron Mountain. Okay, we need something. Oh, my bad. We need something ah! nutty. Nutty. Something wacky. Wacky. We need something, 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 something. We need something. Looney? Oops. Looney. Thank you. Looney? And they come up with a plan to kidnap the Looney Tunes. Seems fair. It seems, you know, plausible. Sure. Why not? Let's work out. I mean, that's how things work. So he sends his little, like, one foot, uh, two inch henchman. The Nerd Lux. To, uh. I'm not sure if they. Do they ever say that name? No. Okay. So he sends these little, little tiny little aliens, all five of them, down to Earth slash Looney Tune land to kidnap all the Looney Tunes. And here's finally where you're reminded. I mean, there, there's some cartoony moments that happen in the live action sequences that have happened to this point. But it's at this point when you finally realize you're finally, you know, kind of get wrapped into the idea. This is a Looney Tunes movie and they do it in the most classic way they can. They have a uh, Elmer Fudd trying to shoot the crap out of Bugs Bunny. But the nerd Lux interrupt that. Which makes me wonder, did they interrupt a child's watching of a Bugs Bunny cartoon? Because later on. The the kids are watching a Looney Tunes. A Michael a Wiley, Jordan's kids are watching. Michael Jordan's kids are watching Wiley Coyote chase the Roadrunner, and Porky Pig comes along and interrupts it while they're watching it on TV, suggesting that when you're watching a Looney Tunes cartoon on TV, they are performing that live. So there is a film crew just filming that, and they must live through the same episodes over and over again. Um. Just what kind of hell do they live in? What kind of Sisyphusian hell has Wiley Coyote wrought for himself? The reason Porky Pig has to come and uh, collect uh, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner is because all the Looney Tunes are having a meeting where uh, the aliens from Moron Mountain have come to uh, enslave them. And uh, Bug- they have Bugs Bunny chained up at this point, and everyone's all sitting around like, what the hell's going on here? Daffy Duck comes in, introduces himself in the grandest way possible, just having gotten right out of the shower. Still wearing a towel, still soaking wet. And the moron mountain aliens, the nerd lux, just say, you're all our prisoners. And the Looney Tunes just laugh at him like, no friggin' way. Uh, in very cartoony fashion, 
they uh, zap him with a laser blaster, and the Looney Tunes like, fine, whatever, we give up. Surrender. We surrender. But then Bugs, slipping out of his bonds like a cartoon character can, comes up with a great plan by faking a rule book that says that in order to enslave us, I mean, you have to give us a chance to, to win our freedom. So we're going to challenge you to a game. They're actually pretty smart about this. They look at their opponents. Well, I've... Tiny. They can't jump. They got stubby little legs and arms. And it's like, what? The... Of course, we got a challenge with a basketball. They would suck at that. We could flatten them with a ball. And well, it just makes sense. Oh yeah, it's a it's a good idea. Uh, Nerdlocks don't even know how to play basketball, but fortunately, you know, Looney Tunes, you know, they could just turn anything into a movie theater scene automatically because yeah, cartoon physics. Uh, and we get a awesome uh, 30s-style in, uh, informational film on basketball, which explains that uh, in addition to how the game is played, that all of the best players in the world... Play in the NBA, the National Basketball Association. And so begins one of the coolest subplots in movie history. The Nerdlux. They go to a basketball game, one between the Knicks and is it the Phoenix Suns? I think it's the Suns. And they realize after sitting down next to uh, Dan Castellaneta and the wife from Everybody Loves Raymond that, you know what, let's just steal the talent from the best players in the game. So they start off by stealing from Charles Barkley, Sir Charles himself. Big. He's good. He's mine. And then Patrick Ewing and then Muggsy Bogues and then... Some other people who I don't yeah, yeah, really yeah. remember. I mean, they, they got some big name uh, basketball stars for this, but uh, uh, definitely the the focus is going to be on uh, Ewing and uh, Barkley. So it was Charles Barkley, yep, Patrick Ewing, Muggsy Bogues, Larry Johnson, and Sean Bradley. Uh, top five NBA player at the time? Not really. Tall. Yes. Yes. Very tall. Tall, yeah. tall man. Tall. Yes. Yes. But I th- the idea was, I think that they were trying to like get uh, like the best talent they could, or at least that's kind of the, what it was implied. Uh, yeah. But really, it was just whoever they could get up to sign up for the movie. <laughs> but they were blessed because Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing are maybe like some of the best actors in this. Yeah, them, and we'll get to it. Larry Bird. I think we can get to it uh, pretty quickly here. The only thing we need to gloss over is uh, the Nerdlux show back up at Looney Tune Land. And uh, present themselves as having enormous talent and size stolen from the NBA stars. And the Looney Tunes realize, we need help. Oh, we need help. Who, who can we get to help us? Who is a huge NBA star who has not had his talent stolen yet? Well, there's one that they wouldn't target because he's not a basketball player at the moment. He's a baseball player. And fortunately, he's playing golf right now. Oh, and we cut to the real world where Michael Jordan is playing golf. With his best friends. <laughs> Actually, maybe not that far off from the truth. No, he's... Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's playing with... Larry Bird. Larry Bird. And Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. While being shadowed by Wayne Knight. Right. But we're more interested in Bill Murray at this point. Though I will say, Larry Bird does kill it in every scene that he's in. Well, he's he's playing off of Bill Murray in every scene that he's it's in. It's very easy. Even Michael Jordan is actually pretty good when he's playing against uh, Bill Murray. They're off playing golf. Bill Murray has a funny quip about, uh, you know, can I not make it in the NBA because I'm white? It's because I'm white, isn't it? No. Larry's white, so what? Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Uh, Bill Murray just 
freaking made this movie. And uh, the question is, like, why would he sign up for something like this? And uh, you realize when you uh, look at the producers uh, of this movie that he's friends with all of them. <laughs> Ivan Reitman. Uh, and they actually, they break the fourth wall a few times in this movie, but the kind of one of the best moments is uh, when uh, they ask Bill Murray, like, why are you even here? And he just looks Well, uh, I'm friends with the producer and Teamster dropped me off. They're off playing golf. Um, they do their best to make sure that Michael Jordan, uh, his uh, golf ball lands in the hole before anyone else's by helping him hit a hole in one. Yes, of course, by using a magnet because obviously golf balls are magnetic. They are in cartoon physics. Michael Jordan hits his hole in one. He's all excited. Yeah, I hit a hole in one. Yeah. Uh, he reaches down to get pick up his ball and it is sucked down the golf hole. I can't just skip over the fact that Bill Murray has some great more, <laughs> a couple more great lines right there where Wayne Knight is taking a photograph of Michael Jordan, grabbing the ball out of uh, his first hole in one, and he gets sucked into the hole. And Bill Murray. What kind of camera is that? Would you not point that at me, please, and close the lens cap? Michael Jordan is uh, sucked into uh, Looney Tunes land, uh, where he survives a fall from the sky of Looney Tunes land down to the ground, uh, where we then realize very quickly that uh, when you're dealing with cartoons, uh, even those who live in the 3D world can be affected by cartoon physics. They gain the abilities of a tune. Which comes into play. And you, you, no one seems to. I don't know if we should. It's not discredit spoiling. Michael Jordan for not realizing that he has cartoon physics abilities, despite the fact that he is continuously being abused like a cartoon character. Uh, the Looney Tunes appealed to Michael Jordan to help him out in beating uh, their now monstrous opponents in the. Nerd Lux, now known as the Monstars. And at first, he's like, "Are you freaking kidding me? This is this is a freaking cartoon. I must be losing my mind. I have to be." You know, also, th- I'm not a basketball player anymore. I'm a baseball player. To which Bugs Bunny just says, "Yeah, and I'm a Shakespearean actor." Which actually, Bugs does Shakespeare quite a few times in my memory. Don't recall him ever doing Hamlet, which is what he pulls out a skull. They just kind of drag him around through uh, Looney Tune Land, including their gym. And he is just—he's just not having this. He's no way, man. You, you guys are—you guys are out of your minds. Uh, and then the monsters show up, and uh, they pick on uh, all the Looney Tunes. They pick on MJ. You do not pick on MJ. But even then, he's still kind of like, okay, you know, like I really don't want to get involved until they swat Tweety Bird. Not cool, man. You don't fuck with Tweety Bird. At that point, uh, his airness was just like fine. You can pick on someone your own size. You can pick up my. I'm going to play against you guys. We're going to have a basketball game. You could cut to the big game right here and then, uh, but we're going to. We have some time to fill, so let's have some more antics. Oh, we jump right back to our favorite subplot, which is our NBA stars attempting to get their talent back, trying to figure out why they've all lost their talent. There's a theory that there's some sort of pathogen. That's in the locker rooms. There's other NBA stars who are refusing to dress in the locker rooms because they're afraid they're going to lose all their talent. And they're they're going to doctors. They're going to psychiatrists. They're going to psychics. Charles Barkley goes into a church. I promise I'll never swear again. I'll never get another technical. I'll never trash talk. I'll never go out with Madonna again. That's something this movie does a lot, is uh, it just plays off of the real-life situations 
that uh, and not even Michael Jordan, but all of the other basketball players who they roped into this were going through. So it was it was fun kind of watching them kind of make fun of themselves in that regard. And also, you know, leads to the argument that this is, you know, more than just a film. It is actually a bit of a documentary. We also get a scene where Bugs and Daffy uh, go to uh, Michael Jordan's home in 3D Land to get his uh, his basketball shorts back. Where they are menaced by Michael Jordan's dog, Charles. And a really bad chroma key. Yep. Voiced by Frank Welker. A voice of every animal in cartoons, as well as Megatron Nibbler on Futurama. And Santa's little helper, I think, on The Simpsons. Michael Jordan's wearing his golf clothes, so they need to sneak back in, get his sneakers, his Air Jordans, and some clothes for him to play basketball in. While practicing for uh, the big game, we are introduced to Lola Bunny, who is a Looney Tune that was made up specifically for this movie. Love interest for Bugs Bunny. Yeah. She hates being called Doll. Yeah, because that's such a common slang term that people are throwing around even in the 90s. It's just that, that 90s concept of a strong female character who just won't take any guff from the male characters type thing. And they always just pick one thing, and in this case it was, don't call her doll. Right. We get some more fun quips with uh, Wayne Knight trying to uh, find Michael Jordan, and he finally does. He drags himself to, cart- to Looney Tune Land. Digs his way into Looney Tune Land. And that, that's when you kind of realize just there's some weird crossovers going on here between real world and cartoon world. I mean, you've, there's some other things. I mean, people kind of obviously see the spaceship uh, that crashes into Looney Tune land as it passes through 3D land and other small things like this. It's kind of like, well, what are, the, what are they going for here? Are they trying to imply that perhaps it's common knowledge that somewhere beneath the ground is Looney Tune land? It's hard to tell because... When Wayne Knight first shows up, he makes a lot of comments about, do you realize these people are cartoons? Which could be interpreted a couple ways, as in... I, you see, I, that's just racism. Replace cartoons with the ethnicity of your choice, and suddenly Wayne Knight looks a little suspect. He tries to, you know, convince Michael Jordan to, you know, just come back with him. Michael Jordan's just like, oh, you know, like, oh, I can't. I got to help my friends out. And uh, we get one more scene with... uh. NBA stars trying to get their talent back by visiting a psychic who lays out the whole plot for them. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. They force their way inside your bodies. They need your talent to win a basketball game against Bugs Bunny. I also see Michael Jordan being sucked down a golf hole my furry creatures. That's it. We're out of here. We're leaving now. Let's try some acupuncture. Good idea. Bye. And they just look at her like she's crazy. Which is, I guess, an anti... Yes, the, we ever, it's common knowledge that uh, Looney Tune land is below the, uh, the crust of the earth. But to that point, we get to the big game. Oh, yeah. Monstars versus the Toon Squad. The Toon Squad. And you get all of like the every Warner Brothers cartoon character that you've ever seen is in the movie, possibly just as a background character in the audience. They animated a lot for that audience. It was it's probably like two or three people's job for like an entire year 
to animate to the uh, just filling out the audience in the background of this scene. Uh, there were definitely some cut and paste moments you could you can oh, kind of see, uh, and a lot of that animation was sparsely animated. You just might have a head slightly tilting back and forth to give you this illusion of movement in the background, kind of like the the one character that was kind of like I think most used were the uh, was was the uh, the mobster the mobster with the giant hat that covered his eyes that Bugs Bunny would go up against a lot. Do you remember him? Yes, I saw him quite a few times, and the cat from the Pepe Le Pew. Uh, cartoons. I saw her quite a few times uh, in the background. It was really well animated. Yeah, take Michael Jordan out of it, and you just kind of look at it. It was really well animated, and then you kind of realize why. It's because they have live action actors in these scenes who are being lit by studio lights. So you kind of have to draw your cartoons to match a studio lighting situation. And I would say the best example of that was when they were in Michael Jordan's house, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, and they're walking through shadows, and you can see the lighting change on the two characters. It's an impressive uh, feat of animation. As for the big game, I mean, it's 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 just a big, fun, giant scene that takes up like, the last quarter of this movie. Um, we get there's a lot. Not of- a, there's honestly not a lot to say about it, especially the first half. They just get destroyed by the Monstars. Second half, they start believing in themselves. Because Bugs Bunny uh, comes up with a placebo for Michael's special stuff. And then they also start to finally realize that, wait a minute, we're cartoon characters. We can pull off all sorts of bullshit. We can cheat, and no one seems to care. Fouls, not getting called. Uh, And then there's also a moment where Michael Jordan realizes, wait a minute, cartoon physics apply to me here. And it, it takes... Watching someone else be flattened, Wayne Knight being flattened by the Monstars for him to realize this. One small issue, though. He's finally realized, wait a minute, I can use cartoon physics. and We only need to score one more basket to win this game, but we only have four players. And there's only ten seconds left. All the other players have been injured in some manner by the Monstars, who are out for blood because the Looney Tunes have kind of made a comeback in the big game. We should also say, at this point, Michael Jordan... Uh, bets his freedom uh, against getting back the powers, the talent for the NBA players that have lost it. So we now have a second bet going on. The stakes have risen. But you look around at the Looney Tunes bench, and uh, they're all busted up. Everyone's busted up. I'm saying to myself, where's Roadrunner? Roadrunner appears in a neck brace. And you're like, ugh. Poor Roadrunner. He's the fastest guy on the team. And just that uh, was was Roadrunner faster than Speedy Gonzalez? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, you know who didn't appear in this movie? Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, I don't think we saw Speedy Gonzalez. I mean, you look around; they could have pulled anyone out of the audience because cartoon physics. But what they did instead was much better. Cartoon rules. Apparently, anyone can walk on and just be part of the team. Right. But again, what they decided to do instead—just light years ahead of just pulling. You know, a random Looney Tunes character who you were maybe not expecting to see. Instead, you get Bill Murray. Bill, ghost-busting ass, motherfucking Murray. Best Dave's ex machina ever? It's up there. Just shows up, ready to play, lays out his plan. He'd been joking earlier about how he wanted to play basketball with Larry Bird and Michael Jordan as he's playing golf. And now he gets his chance. And he comes up with a great plan. Except they're on defense. Oh, uh, Bill Murray don't play defense. I don't play defense. 
Michael Jordan says, says fine, can we just let, let's just get the ball. Get the ball to me and I'll score. That's his entire plan. And he realizes and is it that any he, wonder that he's not exactly been a great coach or GM or anything like that? He was technically the player coach of this team. Yes. In real life, Michael Jordan has tried to play upon his playing career to be either a coach or a front office guy. And so far, has not been very successful yeah, at it. Not so much. It's it's what I'm going to call the Ted Williams effect, where Ted Williams was the hitting coach for the Red Sox after he retired. And he was apparently the worst hitting coach ever because his advice was always just hit the ball <laughs> because he couldn't understand that not everyone else had like 20-10 vision and could see the ball coming and every seam on it and could just hit it whenever you wanted. Just hit the ball. Make just, it a home run. Just, just, just smack it. Michael Jordan, he gets piled on by three of the Monstars and it just doesn't matter because he's realized... Shit, I'm in cartoon land. I mean, he believes he can fly now. I believe I can fly. And he stretches his arm. I can touch the sky. All the way out Think to the basket. It every night and, day. and right as the buzzer goes off. Spread my wings and fly away. He drops it in the basket. I believe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he wins the game. Hey! Wins the game. The, the, uh, the nerd lucks. Uh... They, before giving up their powers uh, back to the NBA players, um, decide to stuff their boss in a rocket ship and send him to the moon and appeal to Bugs Bunny saying, can't we stay here? Because we hate our boss. He's a jerk. Bugs Bunny's like, hell yeah, you could stay here. And Michael Jordan shows up in all of his I am basketball Jesus fashion to these NBA players who have lost their talent saying, touch this magic basketball and you shall have your powers again. And to this I say, if you are actually an NBA star who has suddenly lost all of their talent and Michael Jordan shows up saying, here, touch this basketball, you'll get your powers back. Would you not be thinking to yourself, Michael, where did you get this basketball and how long have you had it? And uh, is this something that we should know about and how why you're so good at this damn game? Is this considered a performance enhancing basketball? A P-E-B-B? But, I mean, Charles Barkley's going to do whatever it takes because... Uh, earlier in the movie, he got schooled by uh, a couple of fourteen-year-old girls. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's like, yeah, "Let's try it." Scene. Uh, again, though, Patrick Ewing's the one who touches the ball first, and his his emotions during this whole thing are spot on. And it's like only basketball st- player in this whole movie who like knows how to emote properly is the guy who is very stone-faced on the court. Mm. But I mean, they they all they get their uh, their basketball talents back. And they're saying to themselves, Michael, you know, like, thank you so much. Like, this is amazing. Uh, you know, stick you around. You want to play three on three with us? No. I don't think so. What are you going to do? Work on that baseball swing? Man, leave the baseball play alone, man. You know he doesn't play basketball anymore. You know, he probably doesn't even have it anymore, guys. And to that, Michael, Wayne Knight says, they think you can't play anymore. He never challenged MJ. Uh, the final uh, shot, or the final scene of this uh this movie, Michael Jordan in his triumphant return to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Wearing number 45. Yeah, because I guess they retired his number at this they point. They retired his number when he retired the first time. And he eventually got 23 back. But for a while, he was 45. And that that's it. That's, that's the uh, second greatest story ever told. Uh, 
you know, it's it's the other Jesus. It's basketball Jesus, basketball Michael Jordan. Jesus. Space Jam. You know what? It's not. It was not ever going to win at the Academy Award for Best Picture that year, but damn, it was fun. It's a fun movie. Definitely marketed towards you know like the nine and ten year old boy demographic, which would be you at the time, Steve. Exactly. I was. I mean, I was all in. I was a little older, but I was still all in at the time. If there's one thing that this movie did really well, it was marketing. You know what? If you're curious about what the marketing was like, you can go to the Space Jam website because it has not been changed in 20 years. It's amazing. It's this long-forgotten relic of the early internet. It's still there. It's internet famous right now at this point because of just how, like, untouched it is. It's like that, that... tribe that has never had contact with the outside world living in the uh, the jungle somewhere early html man it's hard to look at actually it really is i was trying to it's read, an ugly whips i was trying to read production notes uh but it was uh white text on a bright purple background oh my eyes actually my started hurting trying to read this thing uh but it had a lot of great information and it also had some behind-the-scenes videos. If you click on them, you can download them. It Whoa. says it right on there. Click and download? To download a QuickTime file, which was Michael Jordan playing uh, basketball on a green screen against uh, people wearing the green man suit, not um, randomly or ironically or why ever the fuck people show up wearing green man suits to basketball games these days. Is it because of Space Jam? I don't know. Wait a minute. Do people wear the green man suits to basketball games because of the movie Space Jam? No, I think people wear green man suits to basketball games because they think it's funny. Oh. I don't know. But speaking about nostalgia, we should talk about how it seems about once a year there's a rumor that there's going to be a Space Jam sequel. Starring LeBron James. LeBron James doesn't have the... I don't want to say charisma, because it turns out later in life, Michael Jordan isn't actually a super nice guy. But his image is not the same uh, in any way, shape, or form. Right now, like people lost their minds when they saw LeBron James in uh, the movie Trainwreck, because they thought it was basically his like audition for the studios for, yes, we could pull off Space Jam 2. Few people are as on top of their public image as Michael Jordan was in the 90s. And he was basically playing that character in this movie. The same kind of character that you see in a lot of the Nike commercials and the Gatorade commercials and the Hanes commercials. McDonald's commercials and the Wheaties. They do take a moment to make fun of all of that stuff in this movie as they make fun of a lot of their own personal lives uh, in this movie. Uh, Bill Murray and the other basketball players who appear in it as themselves i say bill murray and the other basketball players bill murray in addition to the basketball players who are playing themselves oh don't sell bill murray short <laughs> they're all making fun of themselves a lot uh, may, uh and this kind of these characters who they've kind of are seen as in the public eye none more so than michael jordan who when you realize that all of his background in being in front of the camera is in commercials the way that he play uh plays himself in this movie makes a ton of sense yeah and a lot of the ways that he uh, emotes kind of to men in green suits, who, by the way, he did do a very good job. For a guy who is not a professional actor, has no training as an actor, and had to act opposite guys in green suits with in front of a green screen 
It's not bad. As we've seen from The Phantom Menace, Liam Neeson had trouble acting opposite green screen people. And he is arguably a better actor than Michael Jordan is. Uh, yeah. Um, so we've seen good actors fail in this situation. So watching a non-actor... Not necessarily do good, but not, he pulled it off. Not succeed as, as an actor. But you but didn't hate it. Not make a huge fool of himself. It's impressive. Uh, I mean, he made a fool of himself, but again, it's a Looney Tunes movie. It works. It works fine. The one thing, though, I do want to take... We, we mentioned the sequel. I want to talk about the actual sequel to Space Jam, what? which, of course, is the video game. Tales of Game Studios presents Chef Boyardee's Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden, Chapter 1 of the Hoops Barkley Saga. Wait, what? This is a video game that was made a few years ago, and it is a sequel to Space Jam starring Charles Barkley. It's also a sequel to the video game Barkley Shut Up and Jam. Let me read the synopsis. The Great B-Ball Purge of 2041, a day so painful to some that it is referred to only as B-Ball Knocked. Thousands upon thousands of the world's greatest ballers were massacred in a swath of violence Wait, and sports what? bigotry as the game was outlawed worldwide. The reason? The Chaos Dunk. A jam so powerful its mere existence threatens the balance of chaos and order. Among the few ballers and fans that survived the basketball genocide was Charles Barkley. Holy crap. The man capable of performing the verboten jam. Yeah, it's a video game, it's an RPG, and you play as <laughs> Charles Barkley in the future after uh, the basketball apocalypse. After the basketball apocalypse caused by someone performing the chaos dunk Wait, but and it, killing it, 15 million people in New York. Wait, didn't the synopsis just say that the Chaos Dunk was performed by Barkley? So the story is Did he is kill that, everyone? No, the story is that he performs a Chaos Dunk, and it creates kind of this horrible post-apocalyptic world. He performs it by accident, and then 12 years later, someone else performs it and kills 15 million people in New York, and everyone assumes that Barkley did it, and he has to clear his name. I hope that there's a Let's Play of this somewhere on the internet. That is totally what I'm going to be watching later tonight. And there's a sequel. They did a Kickstarter for a sequel. Um, wow. Which has an even better name. <clears throat> the sequel, which they had a Kickstarter for, is called The Magical Realms of Tir Na'og, Escape from Necron 7, Revenge of the Kuchulain, the official game of the movie, <laughs> Chapter 2 of the Hoop Sparkly Saga. So good, so good, so good. Uh, I hope it does as well as Space Jam did, which, by the way, uh, Warner Brothers sunk a lot of uh, a lot of money into in uh, the advertising and the production uh, because they were putting, you know, their big uh, mascot up there, Bugs Bunny. This and, movie cost eighty million dollars, and because you know they they realized its potential with you know having you know Michael Jordan with Looney Tunes in there. This is primarily an animated movie, and it costs $80 million. But they made that money back. Holy crap, did they? It made over $230 million. Again, this is a movie uh, marketed towards kids uh, about uh, Michael Jordan and why he uh, quit playing baseball to go back to playing basketball. This is the documentary of Michael Jordan's baseball years in the wilderness. Starring Bugs Bunny. And it made 200 plus million dollars. Ooh, that's a lot of money. 
good on them. And you know what? Uh, with what they were doing with this movie, um, as far as uh, having these NBA stars making fun of themselves and the technical prowess that they showed putting this thing together. Very impressive, also considering that the director of the film, I mean, he had a, there was a different uh, animation director and special effects and uh, technical director who were probably the real superstars of this. But the, uh, the director credited at the uh, top of the bill Best known for music videos and, and Nike commercials. commercials. Yeah, I, he probably worked with Jordan before this. Probably they were probably they probably just grabbed someone that they knew he would be comfortable with, and he never made another feature film. I don't know if he wanted to. He didn't suck at this. It was it was. It's got very odd camera angles. I, let me just put lay that out there. Everything is a super tight close up. Probably so they have to draw less right. in the background if you make a super Which means close-up. he was probably listening to his animators. Probably true. And then there's lots of weird Dutch angles. Everyone seems to be shot at strange angles. Everyone's shot really low. And it that Always. helps with keeping you off balance on what the perspective is supposed to be. Because the perspective is awful. <laughs> Nothing ever looks like it has the right amount of depth. And... A lot of this has to do because it was drawn. Um, also because they very rarely had a still camera in this, which is odd for something that was animated. So warping of perspective is something I'm going to totally forgive them on on this one. Yeah, it, the perspective is – Think the characters change size constantly. The dog goes from being a normal dog size to being gigantic to being normal to being gigantic shot to shot. Also horribly chroma keyed. Oh yeah, the there was scene. no need for that either in some of those shots. It's a dog in a real world. You don't need to chroma keyed into the shot. Or did you? Because the other two characters in that scene were Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. There are shots where it's just the dog, oh, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. still chroma keyed. It makes no sense. But there was um, kind of a bar that people kind of held uh, the hybrid. Um, animation live action too and that was um who framed roger rabbit when you had uh bob hoskins handcuffed to roger rabbit and the way that those two kind of interacted with each other people looked at that and they said holy crap that like i can't believe that they pulled that off and then space jam came along and said you know what we're gonna have michael jordan uh triple teamed by a bunch of space aliens and it never quite looks face. right. It doesn't. It never looks right. But that's definitely, they were they were pushing that tech uh, as far as they could. This is one of those movies that a lot is forgiven, m- m- partially because it's a kid's movie, but also through the lens of nostalgia. There are, few, there are few movies that are quite as tinted with nostalgia as this film. Because objectively, not a great film... I'm going to stand up for actually the Looney Tunes part. I actually think the Looney Tunes parts, which are just Bugs Bunny and crew, are actually very funny and work very well. The combined stuff, not always great. The Bill Murray stuff is fantastic. Um, Not a surprise. So would you recommend it? Do you recommend Space Jam? That's the big thing. Uh, If you know. I'm going to say no and... I'm going to go back to our our labyrinth criteria of if you watch it as a kid, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. As someone who's never seen it before and you're an adult, I don't know if it's going to stand up that well. 
a lot of the jokes are dated. There's a Pulp Fiction joke, which I think was dated at the time the movie came out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. If you don't, if you also, if you didn't grow up during that period or you weren't like a huge basketball fan, if you didn't know who Michael Jordan was and were really involved in his public persona, the movie is going to be completely obscure to you. You're not going to get anything. If you grew up thinking that LeBron James was the greatest basketball player ever. I'm sorry. You didn't grow up in the 90s and ever see Michael Jordan play. I will say yes, just for the soundtrack. I would recommend this movie just so that you can jam along to the soundtrack, which, by the way... One of the most 90s soundtracks ever. Most 90s soundtrack ever. And uh, it sold... Enough copies to be certified six times platinum. Oh, man. Are you freaking kidding me? Easy. Listen, when you get a movie that stars like the king of the in like the commercial, Michael Jordan, directed by a guy who's well known for his commercials and basically set up by Warner Brothers because they knew how marketable it was. This thing was going to sell a lot of copies of that soundtrack, but six times platinum. Are you friggin' kidding me? Holy crap. That's all and, I have to say. That. And this movie did some good. It set up the Looney Tunes to have kind of a, a fairly big resurgence in the 90s. Uh, and they've been on again, off again since. Yeah. Currently off. What I'm curious about is our silent partner, who was very clear going into this, she did not like this movie. She saw it as a kid, thought it was stupid. Watching it again with two guys who were probably enjoying it a little too much. How do you feel now? Didn't hate it. Didn't hate it. So we got about half, a thumb halfway, 45 degree angle, which I think is leaning towards positive. I'll take it. How can you hate a movie that you're watching with us, I guess, is the real question. (sighs) Space Jam, guys. um, I'm trying to think of recommendations. If you like Space Jam, what do you watch? There's only one option. uh, You watch all the Michael Jordan commercials? I don't know. No, it's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I, I okay. That's a valid, uh, that's a valid recommendation if you're in sort of the live action tune. I, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a legitimately good movie. As far as other kind of like fun basketball or fun kind of making fun of our real life uh, situation type of movies, uh, no one does it better than Space Jam. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another good basketball movie that isn't a is that isn't like super serious. Because there's or, a lot of super serious basketball movies out there. I mean, the best basketball movie is Hoop Dreams, probably. Okay, or Hoosiers, if you're... Or Hoosiers, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll still go with Hoop Dreams as being a better movie, but it's also like three and a half hours long. <sighs> and it's also can be a little depressing. Yeah. Uh, if we're talking like a fun basketball movie... The that... Air Up There, Kevin Bacon. Oh, dude. That's my recommendation. No. Are you... Ready? We, 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 I can't believe we missed this one. What's that? If you Blue like, chips? if you liked this movie, it's probably be, if you, if you're an adult who likes this movie, uh, it's probably because um, you're nostalgic over you know the Michael Jordan glory days, uh, and you really like the crap out of Bill Murray, and uh, you're probably going to enjoy his good friend Woody Harrelson. In my recommendation, Kingpin. White men can't jump. Uh. White Men Can't Jump would be my my recommendation. Yeah, that is if another, you're an adult who likes Space is, Jam. Whew, that is a crazy 90s movie as well. Wesley Snipes. 
at not the quite the height of his powers, but but pre being arrested for tax evasion. Yes, Wesley Snipes. Uh, yeah, white men can't jump. I'm gonna say if you enjoyed uh, Space Jam as an adult, uh, you're probably gonna really like that one. Uh, that's that's all I got for you, man. It's it's a hell of a film. Let's put it that way. It's it's a hell of a documentary of of the early '90s. You know what? If we're talking about recommendations, I'm gonna throw out Duck Amuck as the best Looney Tunes cartoon. Duck Amok. Which one was Duck Amok? Duck Amok is the one where the animator messes with Daffy Duck. <laughs> okay, yeah, I remember that one. I'll just recommend any of the Roadrunners because those were my favorite. Well. That's it. There we go. Guys. We talked about Space Jam for a long time. Longer than we should have. I thought this one was going to be quick. I'm amazed that we talked about the plot for that long, because there's really not much plot. But uh, it's so fun, you're going to be okay with it. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening for this episode of Out of Sync Podcast. I'm Steve Shannon. I'm Jonathan LeDuc. And please drink cinematically. <laughs> <laughs>